forever. Amen. Proverbs 22, and we're going to go down to verse number 6. And if you would, let's stand out of respect of God's Word. This is our text for today. Just one verse. I know that uh, we're normally in a lot more, but we'll just read this one verse today. Verse number 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Father, Lord, I do pray that you bless the reading of your word today. I ask that you would help us to uh, take to heart what uh, Solomon has given to us here. Lord, I do pray that you would help us to uh, take heed to ourselves, that we would be obedient children, honoring our parents and authorities. Um, Lord, but I pray that you'd help us to be also faithful uh, and worthy of honor in our leadership. I pray that you'd help us as, as the good shepherd to lead in paths of righteousness, those that are following us. Lord, I do pray that you'd help us uh, where we need help. Lord, help us to realize we need wisdom. And sometimes it takes wisdom to realize we need wisdom. But help us, Lord, to admit our, our need, to acknowledge that we need you today. That's what prayer is, acknowledging that we need help. We cannot do what we need to do in our strength. We want to do it in the flesh. We try to do it in the flesh. But God, help us right now to be wise and humble and realize we need God's help for our everyday life to fight our flesh and to fight the flesh of those that we are leading, our spouse, our children, our employees, whoever it is that is in our circle of influence. We have a responsibility to them, Lord. People are watching our lives. They're looking to us for the answers. So, Lord, help us to take heed and to crucify the flesh on a daily basis. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please be seated this morning. This verse, verse number six, is probably the best known verse um, when it comes to child rearing, or one of the best known verses when it comes to child rearing. Ironically, it's probably the most misunderstood passage on child rearing. One classic interpretation of Proverbs 22 6, where it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, is that you should get your kids to attend Sunday school, you should get them to come to church. You should get them to know and obey the Ten Commandments. Teach them to pray at mealtimes, uh, pray at bedtime, and pray uh, for emergencies. Some people say that's training up your children. They interpret it to mean that we should feed our children a steady diet of Bible verses. Do this early because... Teenage years are coming. And that's when the children will sow their wild oats and they will detour on their spiritual journey. But if you train them up in the way they should go, when they get done sowing their wild oats, they will come back to God. You can count on it because this verse is a promise of God. Now, some people believe that Proverbs 22.6 is a promise of God. We all have met people that have been trained the way they should go, but they never followed 
in that path. Sad to say, this, this verse is a principle because when we train our children and we do all that we can, we give them all that they need, we can never forget that God has given to each of us a free will. And the children have also a responsibility to choose to obey their mother and their father. Now, I differ probably with some of you, and I know I differ with uh, some who have taught me these things. But that's okay. We want to just get to what the Bible is saying. And to be careful that we don't just look at this as a blanket promise, that if you do all of these things, that it's all going to turn out exactly how it should. But... We need to remember that if your child goes astray and does what they uh, were not trained to do, that God is merciful and God is still working and the Holy Spirit is still working in the hearts of your children. And that's why we need to pray. And child rearing doesn't end at age 18. Sometimes people think, well, I did what I could and now they're on their own. There's always a need for us to pray for God to continue to work in our children's lives because even good children can go astray. The Bible makes clear that the direction of a child's future not only depends on the parent's guidance, but also very much on the choices that child will make. And as we raise children, we are preparing them for 100% personal responsibility. We are trusting them with small responsibilities in a gradual way. We need to train our children to become independent because they have independent, they're an independent agent. They have to give an answer to God for their actions as well. And so little by little, we're leading them to maturity. And as they mature and develop physically, emotionally, and spiritually, we are helping them through that learning curve by giving them bite-sized tasks. Proverbs 22, 6 is not a blanket promise to parents. Every child has a free will. There are Proverbs that tell us how to be wealthy. Does that mean everybody who follows those principles is going to be wealthy? Every child has a will of their own. And they must ultimately choose to be obedient to their parents and choose the right path. But that's part of training them. It's part of developing that relationship. This is not allowing you as a parent to say, well, it's, it's not my fault if they go the wrong way. What I'm saying is, is that we have a responsibility up to a point, but there comes a day where that child is 100% responsible for the choices that they make. And we all can fall, can't we? We all can make mistakes. We all do make mistakes. And so I want to bring a little bit, I want to take a little bit of the pressure off the parents who are today uh, probably broken because you've lost children, they've gone the wrong way, to realize that you may have done all that you could with God's help. You did all that you could humanly possible, and you did all you could by God's grace, but your child didn't go the way that they were trained. I want to take some of the pressure off you. But those that still have children in the home, there's a need for us to take the responsibility now so that our children uh, are without excuse when they get to be of age. Number one today, we'll look at that first section of the verse. Look at it with me. These first four words, train up a child. 
Train up a child. That word in the Hebrew means to dedicate or to consecrate. It actually even means uh, to hedge. If you look at verse number 5, the Bible says, Thorns and snares are in the way of the forward, or the perverse. He that doth keep his soul shall be far from them. Uh, When you go the wrong way, when you go the perverse way, you're going to find difficulty. God allows those difficulties to be there to help us to realize that this is the wrong path. But as a parent, I'm not saying that it's our job to hinder our children and hurt our children. But hedging up is that we are guiding them like somebody that is driving cattle and they're, they're, they're taking a herd and they're moving that herd into a place that they want that herd of cattle or sheep to be. And like that, we are hedging up. We are guiding that child. Just like Psalm 23 says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. A shepherd will uh, shepherd the sheep to where those sheep should go. Thou leadest me beside the still waters. Aren't we thankful when the Lord leads us to paths of, uh, uh, of peace and uh, serenity when we get by the still waters? Praise God for that. But we don't get there unless we follow the shepherd. And so as a parent, we need to be hedging up, training up, and hedging up a path for our children. We're giving them direction. And um, uh, we know that train also means to dedicate. It's used that way in the Bible three times. That word uh, in the Hebrew is used three times to refer to dedicating a building. But only once here to training a child. So dedicate or train, hedge up, um, We're not supposed to be on autopilot as parents. This is an intentional thing. It's an intentional thing that we're called to do. Train, not say, well, I'm bringing them where they need to go. I'm taking them to church. No, we need to ask God for wisdom on how to how to train that child in in the way that they should go. We are needing God's help. We don't have the tools that we need. We have God. We have everything we need with God, but we personally are lacking all that we need without God. Uh, Passive training is not what uh, is expressed here with train, dedicate, hedge. It's not to be passive. He calls parents to intentionally direct their child's moral and spiritual training. Training involves more than verbal instruction. It requires verbal and visual instruction. Uh, Your children need to see and hear how to act. They need explanation, as somebody said, explanation and example. How many of you need to have it just kind of like, I need to just see it in order to understand it? Are you like that? I'm like that. I'm thankful for uh, to be able to get online and, and to understand something without just having to read it. I can watch a video and it explains to me how to build something or how to fix something. I enjoy that. It helps me. And so your children need the same thing. They don't just need some explanation. They need uh, an example. They need to see it for themselves. If we don't lead by example, how are our children going to know how to live? And by the way, we need to be careful we're not giving them a bad example. Sometimes we do that. We give them a bad example, then we give them a good explanation. 
We say, do as I say and not as I do. But guess what they're going to follow? They're not going to follow what you're saying. They're going to follow what you're doing. Okay? Uh, We need to read the Bible for ourselves. It's not good enough for us to say, children, you need to read the Bible. Uh, Child, you need to study the Word. You need to have devotions. We need to be doing it for ourselves. Because if we're not doing it for ourselves, what we're doing is we're teaching them that it's not necessary. We're teaching them that God's Word is not our highest priority. And so don't scratch your head down the road and say, I don't understand why they don't come to church when you didn't make it a priority. I don't understand why they don't read their Bible when I and you don't make that a priority. We need to discipline our chil- our, ourselves and even set boundaries for ourselves. When we do that, when we set boundaries and we discipline our own lives, we're teaching our children that boundaries and rules are important and we care about what they do as well. A child that grows up in a home where mom and dad are disciplined and taking heed to themselves, not just you know, having discipline and order, but rather that the parents themselves are, are doing all that they're telling the child to do, then that child will more than likely follow that example. You even see that in secular examples. Uh, We don't need to get into that today. But we need to lead by example. By the way, we need uh, those of you that are, you have a spouse in the home. It's It's hard to raise children without a spouse. And we pray for you that are doing that. Or maybe with a spouse that's not saved. But if you have a marriage, work on your marriage. John Wilkerson says, if you're working on your marriage, then your marriage is probably working. The best thing that you can do for your children, Dad, is to love their mother. The best thing you can do for your children, Mom, is to love their father. I was... I found an article, and I want to share this. I almost forgot to do this today, but I found this article a while back, and I saved it. But I think this is important. While we're talking about child-rearing, I think it's important that we talk about the home as a whole and the marriage relationship. This article is entitled, Your Kids Should Not Be the Most Important in the Family. Now, don't turn me off yet, okay? I recently, the article goes like this. I recently asked a married couple who have three kids, none of whom are yet teens. He asked them, who are the most important people in your family? Like all good moms and dads of this brave new millennium, they answered, our kids. Then he asked, why? What is it about your kids that give them that status? And like all good moms and dads of this brave new millennium, they couldn't answer the question other than to fumble with appeals to emotion. So I answered the question for them. There is no reasonable thing that gives your children that status. I went on to point out that many, if not most, of the problems they're having with their kids, typical stuff these days, are the result of treating their children as if they, their marriage, And their family exists because of the kids. When it is in fact the other way around. 
Their kids exist because of them and their marriage and thrive because they have created a stable family. Furthermore, without them, their kids wouldn't eat well, have a nice house or have nice clothing, uh, live in a nice home in which they live, enjoy great vacations they enjoy, and so on. Instead of lives that are relatively carefree despite the drama uh, to the contrary that they occasionally ma- uh, manufacture, their children would be living lives full of worry and want. This issue is really the heart of the matter. People my age know it's the heart of the matter because when they were kids, it was clear to us that our parents were the most important people in our families. And that right there is why we respected our parents. And that right there is why we looked up to adults in general. Uh, There was once a time in the United States of America where children were second-class citizens to their advantage. That sounds kind of rough, doesn't it? Oh, man, our poor kids. But my friends, the best thing you can do for your children is to have a good marriage. And to focus on, on, on the mom and the dad. So the kids need to understand that, as he says here, it was clear to us, I speak, of course, in general terms, albeit accurate, that our parents' marriage were more important to them than their relationship with us. Therefore, we did not sleep in their beds or interrupt their conversations. The family meal at home was regarded as the most important uh, than after-school activities. Mom and dad talked more, a lot more, with one another than they talked with you. For lack of pedestals, we emancipated earlier and much more successfully than have uh, children since that time. The most important person in an army is the general. The most important person in a corporation is the CEO. The most important person in a classroom is the teacher. Now, that's not to say that employees and students aren't important, right? But we understand that without leadership, we have nothing. And we're eroding the foundations of leadership and authority in our country. We don't even realize it because we are putting children, and this is just part of the problem, but we're putting children on a pedestal. Children should be loved and cherished. And I guarantee you, if you have a good marriage, those children will be loved and cherished. What we're doing instead of truly loving and and cherishing, we're worshiping children. They're becoming the ones who dictate what the family does. They have, you know, I understand you might have your family meeting and everyone gets a vote, but I think mom and dad should be leading the home. If Johnny doesn't want to do something, take it into consideration, but they don't get the final say. I'm sorry, Johnny. I know we do have a Johnny here. We have a couple Johns and Johnnies, but... So the most important thing about our children is the need to prepare them properly for responsibilities and citizenship. The primary objective should not be raising a straight-A student who excels at three sports, earns a spot on the Olympic swim team, goes to an A-list university, and becomes a prominent brain surgeon. The primary objective is to raise a child such that community and culture are strengthened. Our child is the most important person in our family, is the first step towards raising a child who feels entitled. You don't want that. Unbeknownst to your child, he doesn't need that. And neither does America. That's a secular article, but I thought that was good. Because as we're talking about children and we're putting the focus on being worthy of honor as parents, I think there's a need for us to point out that children need to honor their parents. That is of the utmost importance in the home. Train up. 
You do have a responsibility to your children. Train up, lead by example, verbal and visual direction. Where your children, where are they getting their verbal and visual instruction? Who is the most influential uh, person in your child's life? And it should not be a teacher. We love teachers. We're thankful for teachers. But you, mom, you, dad, should be more influential than a teacher. You should be more influential than uh, television or social media or some other personality in social media. Influence. We hear a lot about influence. Influencers. Parents are, should be the number one influencers. You might be saying, my kids don't want to hear from me. Well, work on the relationship. Work on the relationship. Our time is so important. That's the best way that we can invest in these young lives. I heard, there's another thing I found. I save these things when I get on Facebook. I have m- multiple folders, and I just finally looked at them, because I'm like, someday I'll use those in sermons. But I'm like, I got some things that I found on there that were helpful. So here's a discussion between a son and a dad. The son comes to daddy and says, Daddy, may I ask you a question? Dad says, yeah, sure. What is it? Daddy says, uh, or the son says, Daddy, how much do you make an hour? The dad says to his son, that, that is really none of your business. Why do you ask? The son tells his dad, I just want to know. Please tell me how much do you make an hour? If you must know, I make $100 an hour. Oh, with his head down. Daddy, can I please borrow $50? Dad says, really? If you're asking to borrow money for some silly toy or game, you can just march yourself straight to your room to think about why you're being so selfish. I work hard every day to provide for this family, and this is the thanks I get. The little boy went quietly to his room and he shut the door. The dad sat down and started getting even angry about his son's questions. How dare he ask questions like that just to get some money? After an hour, the dad calmed down and he started to think maybe there was something he really needed for the $50. He doesn't ask for money often. So then the dad went to his son's door, knocked on the door. The son opened it up. And um, uh, dad said, are you asleep, son? No, daddy, I'm awake. The dad says, I've been thinking, maybe I was too hard on you earlier. It's been a long day, and I took out my aggravation on you. Here's the $50 you asked for. Little boy sat straight up smiling. Oh, thank you, Daddy. Then he reached under his pillow, and the boy pulled out some crumpled up dollar bills. And when the dad saw the boy already had money, he started getting angry again. And as the little boy slowly counted out the money and looked up at his father, his dad said, why do you want more money if you already have some? Because, Daddy, I didn't have enough, but now I do. Daddy, I have $100 now. Can I buy an hour of your time? Please come home early tomorrow. I would like to have dinner with you. The father was crushed. He put his arms around his little son, and he begged for his forgiveness through streams of tears. It's just a subtle reminder to us this morning to not let the most important things in our life slip through our fingers. We will never get today back again. And if we die tomorrow, the company we work for will replace us in a matter of days. But loved ones we leave behind will feel the loss for the rest of their lives. So train up a child in the way you should go. Uh, number two, a child's way 
or uh, the second thing, number one, train up a child. Number two, in the way he should go. A child's way is naturally negative when left to himself. Go back a few pages to Proverbs 29. Just put a marker here if you want. But Proverbs 29, verse number 15. The Bible says, The rod and reproof give wisdom. But a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. A child's way is naturally negative. That is why your children have a mom or a dad. That is why they're in, ho- in a home. Whether it's mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, whoever it is that is taking. God has put those children in your uh, care. And we need to understand that if we don't care for them, they naturally will go the wrong way. It is up to us to do something. You've all heard the term latchkey child, which means a child who returns to an empty home after school or a child who is often left home alone with no supervision because their parents are away at work. Some of you grew up in that environment. You grew up in that. You understand what that's all about. And... The Bible tells us that we need to hedge up our children's path. We need to help them in the way that they should go. Not the way that they would go, but the way that they should go. And it is up to us to do that. The term way refers to a characteristic, a manner, a way. Uh, We are to train our children according to his or her characteristic manner. By the way, your child is a one of a kind. We think that all children in our home should be the same. Sometimes we think that way. We think, why aren't you more like your brother? Why aren't you more like your sister? They are all different. So learn your child. Learn each of your children. I know that all, you know, maybe your children all have a similar, they they share characteristics, but they're going to be unique. They're going to be different in some way. And that way might be the way that you can least, you least naturally connect with them. It's going to be hard to find that, that common ground. Personalities might conflict a little bit. Do you have personality conflict in the home sometimes? Just because they're, uh, they have your blood doesn't mean that you're going to always see eye to eye. And by the way, it may just be because they're like you that you don't see eye to eye. Some children are going to be artistic. Some others athletic. Others academic. But don't favor one thing over the other. Just because you might like that your one child is athletic And your other's academic doesn't mean that you say, well, this one is promising. The other is not like me at all or whatever. You know, I was not the academic type. But, you know, they need nurturing and love, too. They need attention, too. Or vice versa, whatever it is. Uh, One child might be strong-willed, the other compliant. So that doesn't mean sometimes what parents do is when a child is compliant, they're harder on that child. Now follow me. I, I've seen this where one, one child is strong-willed and they don't listen. They're rebellious. And so the parents sometimes become afraid of that child. They're afraid to stand up to that child. And they know that they should be directing them and, and leading them and helping them. 
But because they're so defiant or strong-willed or rebellious or self-willed, whatever it is, parents just say, you know what, I don't really want to mess with that. And I'm just going to appease them. I'm just going to try to keep them happy so that we can have a good relationship or somewhat good relationship. But yet over here, this child who's always obedient and, and is compliant whenever they mess up or whenever they stir up strife or whenever they get into it, when the compliant child gets into it with the strong-willed child and that causes strife in the home, you know. Then we bring the hammer down on the one that obeys us. Be careful of that. You might be saying, I have no idea what you're talking about, Pastor, but I've seen it. I've seen it. And it's, it's, not, it's doing disservice to both, really. It's doing disservice to the home. Be consistent. But if this one needs more attention in the discipline department, deal with that. Use wisdom. You need God's help. Because we don't know what to do sometimes with a rebellious child. We can't connect for some reason. There's some, some uh, conflict that's always there. But by God's grace, you can have victory in that relationship. And maybe, just maybe, the problem is not as much with them as it is with yourself. There's areas we need to grow in as well. We have weaknesses and blind spots. There's reasons that we're conflicting. You might be thinking, wow, pastor, that child who is rebellious, they're the one that's wrong. They're the one that needs to get right. They're the ones that's dishonoring and disobeying. Yes, but that's why we're talking about being worthy of honor. We need to realize maybe there's something in our life that's hypocritical and they're, they're rebelling against hypocrisy. They don't like that we are two-faced. We're one way at church and we're another way when we're around, uh, you know, the family. Sometimes that's just the conflict that's there. It's not so much that they are... They are bent on being a bad child, but they are rebelling against hypocrisy or some other issue. All right, that was free. But we receive each child from the hand of God. They're a gift from God. They are a gift. And so treat it as a gift. Some gifts I don't like as much as others. Not because I'm not thankful for it, not because I don't enjoy it, but because, you know, <clears throat> sometimes I'd rather have somebody give me a meal or something rather than a puzzle. Okay? Or, you know, maybe I'd like a candy bar rather than, you know, that puzzle, that 500, 1,000 piece puzzle. I help my wife sometimes with the puzzles, but I'm not committed to the whole thing. But as when we have children, we need to be committed to that. You know, I say, man, God, why did you give me two candy bars? And a 5,000-piece puzzle. This gift is a lot harder to deal with than the others. But actually, that one might be a longer-lasting blessing. You never know, you know. The candy bars you consume and eat, but, you know, this puzzle over here might be a, a beautiful gift someday, but you have to work at it. Anyways, that was all free. Anyways, uh, we are to honor God's creation as a one-of-a-kind individual. That child is a special person to God. And they're not so much uh, a malleable lump of clay to be molded into whatever way we think they should be uh, guided or molded into. But we need to follow God. And what does God want for that child? That child might be uh, very gifted. And we think, boy... 
if this child who is great at uh, academics and they are going to go places, man, it would be awesome to see them become a doctor or an engineer or a business owner, somebody that can make money. That's my retirement plan, you know? I'm going to raise my kids so that they'll take care of me when I'm older. And I hope they do take care of you, and you should, children, take care of your parents. But you think, man, it would be so awesome for them to make money and be successful. But what if God says that child is going to be a doctor, but that doctor is going to go to the mission field and serve on the mission field? They don't make as much money on the mission field as they do maybe working in the hospital or private practice. But that's God's will. Submit to what God wants, not what you want. They're you're, you're a steward of God's gift. You're a steward of that. Number three today, and we'll continue on verse number six. If you want to go back to Proverbs 22, verse six. Train up a child, number one, in the way he should go, number two. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. In Proverbs, the wise, not the fools, are crowned with the gray hair of old age. Proverbs chapter 3, I'll read this for you if you want to just follow. Verse number 13. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. Verse 15. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things that canst desire, thou canst, or thou, you can desire, are not to be compared unto her. Speaking of wisdom. Length of days, verse 16, is in her right hand. And in her left hand are riches and honor. Find wisdom. When you find wisdom, you will live long, a long life, or a life of productivity. You will have a life that has meaning. Proverbs 22, verse 6, when he is, next word, old. Say it with me. When he is old, he will not depart from it. He will not depart from it. The Proverbs here, verse 6, seems to uh, anticipate a trajectory towards wisdom because it's saying when he's old. When he's old, he's lived a life that has been uh, obedient to his parents. If he will follow what he has been trained and he will submit to what his parents have taught him, he will live a life that is productive, a life that has meaning and uh, possibly a long life. Uh, there needs to be a balanced approach to what we call success as parents. Sometimes we think, well, I mean, there's people that have, their standards are all over the place. They think, well, as long as they don't go to jail, I did my job as a parent. Or as long as they're a wealthy, uh, productive citizen of, you know, the, uh, of, our, of, our, of our community, as long as they're prominent and they leave a legacy, then I did my job. I truly believe that parents do play a crucial outcome in the role, or that they play a crucial role in the outcome of their children. But if our child fails to walk the right way, it doesn't necessarily mean it was the parent's fault. I would say that there are no perfect parents. But there are some bad parents. I know that. There are some bad parents. There's no perfect parents. Anything that you see as a way of success 
as far as your children following after the ways of the Lord, any success that you or I will have is purely, purely because of the grace of God. Because we're not perfect. Because when we say if we do everything that we're supposed to do, then they're going to turn out right. We're putting too much pressure on something that God says we shouldn't be putting pressure on. Because everything that is done for God and done to God's pleasure is because of the grace of God. It doesn't have anything to do with us other than we said, yes, Lord, I submit myself to you. And that's all we need to do. As we uh, have baby dedication in our church, we also have parent dedication. And I also even have church dedication, okay? Because that child is dedicated to the Lord. When we do that baby dedication, that precious child, we bring them uh, before the church and we say, uh, we're dedicating them to the Lord. Mom and dad are dedicating them to the Lord. But also, we are saying, Mom and dad are dedicated to raising them for the Lord. And the church is dedicated to helping them. It's important that we do that. But it's only by the grace of God. So we need to keep praying. We need to keep praying for your children. Do not stop praying. You might say, well, it's out of my hands now. Well, it's, it's in God's hands, so talk to him about it. Talk to him about it. He can, he can direct the hearts. He works in the hearts. Pray for God to work in that heart of the child, whether they're 2, 22, or 42. You have, an, you have a, uh, a front row seat at the throne of God. Come boldly before the throne of grace. God, help me. Help me with this two-year-old. They are definitely the terrible two-year-old that we've all heard about. You know, the terrible twos. And... Uh, Help me with this 12-year-old. They're going through some changes. And uh, they're kind of moody sometimes. And this 22-year-old is independent, and they're 18. They're over 18. They're doing their own thing. They're over 21. They can uh, live however they want to live, I guess. But God, work in their heart. Take what was invested in them, and don't let them get away with living the wrong way. Don't let them get away with going against your word, Lord. You pray for our family. My family, personally, we've gone through some hard times. And uh, do pray for my family. I thank God for his goodness, his mercy. And without, without the hope that we have in Christ, we have nothing. We're, we're utterly hopeless. So if your child's 42 years old and they're just, and they've rejected everything you've, you've instilled in them, you need to love them. But love them for the Lord. Love them through the Lord. That doesn't mean that you uh, finance their sin and finance what they're doing that's against God. That never is what the Bible says. In fact, we're done here, but the prodigal son. Do you remember the prodigal son? Do you question the love that the prodigal son's father had for his son? Because we know if we read the end of the story, when he went away and then he comes back, the father was looking for him. The father gave him the very best. He bestowed on him the very best, so much so that the son that didn't go away was jealous. He was upset. We don't doubt the love of the father. 
But did the father involve himself in the lifestyle of his son that went away? No. Did the father go with the son? Your children will take their inheritance. They'll take whatever you've given them. All of, the, all of the money that you've invested in their education. All of the time that you invested. All of the, the church services that you have brought them to. Every Sunday school class you've taken them to. They will take all of that. And they may very well uh, respond. Or they may, in, they may take it and waste it in riotous living. They may totally turn their back on it. But that doesn't mean you don't love them. Because... Just because you don't go with them. But when they're ready to come back, praise God for the moms and dads that are there waiting with open arms saying, we love you. We love you. We never stop loving you. What a beautiful picture of our Heavenly Father. He is our greatest example of, parent, of a parent. May we dwell on that today. As we bow our heads in prayer, if you would stand with me. We're just going to close in a word of prayer today. We'll have a time of invitation as well. If you want to come pray, you can come now. And we'll pray together. Ask God for help. We need help. We need wisdom. We don't know what to do. We don't, we many times, uh, we think we know what we're doing with our kids. But if you're wise this morning, if you're wise, you'll say, God, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I lack wisdom. And if any man lack, lack wisdom, let him ask of God. If you would, let's pray together. If you want, let's uh, bow our heads. Lord, I pray that you would help us. God, we are a needy people. But you, you find broken spirits, contrite hearts. You see that as a beautiful sacrifice. You long for your people to come to you in need. God, we worship you this morning. You are worthy to be praised. God, you know far more than any of us what it is to have your creation, or in our case, a child, someone we love. You know far better than us to, you know what it is to lose that dear, precious gift. You gave to Adam and Eve a free will, and they chose to go the wrong way. God, you have given us a beautiful story of redemption. You gave your precious son to redeem the world back to yourself. God, I thank you for that great example, how that when we have ups and downs in our life. We might have times where we are just beside ourselves. We know that, God, you understand what it is to go through that loss. You know what it is to, to feel uh, rejection and feel hurt. We know Jesus experienced every temptation we could experience. God, thank you for victory. We have help. We have hope. God, help us today. I pray for the parent maybe that has lost a child to, uh, has gone the wrong way. Maybe it's, it, they've gone different than what they were trained. I pray that you'd help them to not stop praying. I pray for maybe a parent today that they didn't get saved till their children were grown. 
But I pray that you would help them to, to realize that, God, you are working in every person's life. You're re- As the Bible says, the Holy Spirit is reproving the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so you're working in that child's heart. They maybe never went one time to Sunday school. But God, you're doing a work, and I pray that you'd help us to, to never, never give up. I pray that you would help us today with little children to resolve, to take it serious, seriously, to not go on autopilot, to not be passive. Help us to be purposeful in hedging up and taking the rod and the staff and helping that child go the right way. Help us to to, to submit whenever it's our fault, whenever we have a blind spot or we have sin. Help us to not cover that up and become filled with pride. Help us to, to find help with that, Lord. But also even the blind spots that we have. With every child, we're going to have blind spots. And Lord, you know that. You've given us uh, people in our church. You've given us pastors and teachers You've given to us even uh, camp counselors or wherever it is that that child's going to receive some instruction, maybe a youth pastor. But God, I pray that you'd help us as parents to realize it's a team effort. We need help. And sometimes we, we need to take some correction. Help us. Help us, Lord. I pray that you bless this, this time of invitation. I pray for your people to respond.